Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everybody. Carl Lester here from Fightful MMA, FightfulBoxing.com. Here talking with Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua. Boy, this was, oof. I, I'm still reeling from this. Uh, apologies if, for the, I guess, different setup and the different equipment here tonight. We are experiencing some a lot of technical difficulties getting in here. But for those of you who are tuning in here for the very first time ever, welcome to Fightful. What is Fightful, if uh, you ask? Well, we are a crossover uh, combat sports website that specializes in MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. Do tons of exclusive, lots of great writers, features, interviews, uh, news articles every single day on all three sports. And the cool thing about Fightful is if you don't like boxing, you can head on over to the pro wrestling uh, section of the site and just read all about uh, the amazing content that Fightful has on the pro wrestling side from interviews, podcasts, just about everything. Same with pro wrestling. You're not a fan of pro wrestling, head on over to the MMA side or their boxing side. It's, it's, a, it's a really great website for the combat sports fan. And I am... Your lead boxing reporter, Carlos Torre, been doing this since 2016, been to a ton of fights, covered a lot of great events, especially in the New York area. Actually, just uh, last month, or I guess technically a month and a half ago, I was at Madison Square Garden covering the Terrence Crawford versus Amir Khan fight, uh, which, you know, the controversial ending to Crawford hitting Amir Khan right Below the belt, not right in the in the you know what as that the placement of that punch was iffy. It's not not exactly in the family jewels, but regardless, I've been to a lot of great fights in the past, and this fight that we have between Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz Jr. Boy, what a barn burner this was! Again, apologies for the setup. Um, we are exper- experiencing a couple of technical difficulties. He uh, a couple of technical difficulties. Boy, I'm I'm still struggling right now. To even just put myself into words um, for, you know, what just happened? Like, we just got the Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas moment from 1990 in Japan at the Tokyo Dome. We just got that in 2019 at Madison Square Garden. My God. Again, let me just reiterate. For those of you who are tuning in and are confused of the title of the podcast. Yes. Andy Ruiz Jr. Beat Anthony Joshua. Clean as a whistle. In the middle of the ring. No controversy whatsoever. To become the new unified WBA, WBO, and IBF world heavyweight champion. Spoiling Anthony Joshua's US debut. And I do mean spoiled the debut. Just kind of waiting for a little more people to show up. And, and if you, you have any questions about the fight, about the rest of the card, about anything boxing related, feel free to to mention it in the live chat so I can talk about it. I would love to talk to you guys and see what your thoughts your thoughts are on the fight. Uh, we got one here in the comment section. I don't know, Andy Reese 
Jr. fought for the WBO title before this. Yes, he did. Uh, back in 2016, when he fought Joseph Parker for the vacant WBO title, that title was like vacated uh, by uh, by Tyson Fury. I don't remember if it was vacated or they stripped him of the title. It was a very weird situation uh, Tyson Fury had with the respective governing bodies, but uh, the title was vacated at the time. Parker beat Joe, uh, Andy Ruiz by majority decision. I thought that it was, uh, you know, I thought Andy Ruiz uh, decisively lost that fight, but that was back in 2016. And ever since that loss, he has, you know, bounced back tremendously. He, you know, he took a 15 month break from the sport of boxing. He came back in, he signed, was briefly with Top Rank before moving on to PBC. And this whole story, the story of this fight of Andy Ruiz beating Anthony Joshua. There are so many layers to this fight and to the entire buildup of, of the fight, which is just incredibly, it's equal parts shocking. It's equal parts amazing. It's, it's, you know, it's so many different things. You know, this will be one of those nights where you will, you know, 30 years from now, you will remember exactly where you were when you watch this fight, this moment where Andy Ruiz Jr., beat Anthony Joshua to become the new unified WBO heavyweight champion. Uh, again, and for those of you joining in, uh, we are, I had some technical difficulties, which is why we had a little bit of a late start. Uh, let me know if you can hear me just fine. I'm looking at it at a separate screen, and the video actually appears to be A-OK for now. So let me know if there are any visual or audio issues with myself. Um, looking at the comment section, there were a lot of people coming in, uh, chiming in with their thoughts that Andy was doing a quick turnaround. He fought April 20th on the last PBC on FS1 card. Yes, he did. Actually, he did. it was not a PBC on FS1 card. It was actually a Fox card. Uh, that was, it was, I believe, the co-main event to the Danny Garcia versus Adrian Granados fight in Carson, California, which was happening at the exact same time as the Tyrants Crawford versus Amir Khan pay-per-view. And a funny story about that, uh, about Andy Ruiz, uh, me watching that fight he had against Alexander Dimitrenko on April 20th. I remember I was in Madison Square Garden. I was way up in the rafters. The pay-per-view started. It was, um, I believe, in the first fight, early in the first fight. I may have my timeline wrong, but it was right around that time. And I, and I saw, I was, I was watching the fight. Like, I had one monitor to my left uh, watching the actual pay-per-view because you get all, if, if you're covering a fight, and you get sent up up there. You actually get a monitor that kind of gives you access to. So you get a miniature TV essentially. And so one TV had the pay per view Crawford versus Amir Khan, and the other one I had the PVC on Fox card. And I saw Andy Ruiz just knock out Alexander Dimitrenko. He is and he obliterated Dimitrenko. And and it was funny because after the after the interview after the fight, Andy Ruiz was interviewed by PBC and we say I want Deontay Wilder I want Anthony Joshua and I thought to myself why are you calling out Anthony Joshua Joshua's on the other side of the street and it was really really and it, I thought and lo and behold we just you know he wanted Anthony Joshua he got it less than two months uh, later it's it's hilarious not even six weeks has passed actually no I think it was six weeks exact that has passed since that fight he went from beating Alexander Dimitrenko on the undercard of a Fox card and then goes on to become the heavyweight champion of the world. I think that's something that not all people are considering or wasn't even discussed on The Zone tonight was the fact that Ruiz was coming off a fight six weeks earlier. How often do you actually get this type of scenario where you get a, you know, a world heavyweight challenger fight six weeks before the big fight? Which, which is still really amazing. I'm still kind of rattling my head. It's very 1970s where you have guys fighting six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a year. And, you know, and they're not at the prospect level. They're at, like, at that contender world title level. I remember um, maybe I think Tyson uh, fought, like, what, eight, ten times or something during his first year as heavyweight champion. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but he fought, fought a lot in that first year as the world heavyweight champion. Uh, coming in here, um, a lot of people w- chiming in with with the with comments. Joshua was telling his corner he, w- he was going to do and not listen to them. Always a recipe for disaster. Uh, yeah, that, that that was weird. 
funny, like right before the fight, one thing that kind of entered my mind was how was the relationship between Joshua and his corner going to be like in this fight? And I thought that was well, that that was really interesting. And 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 not just the whole thing with Joshua in his corner, but also Joshua and the referee. So I think it's about time we kind of actually broke down this fight. But before we do a few more comments, because I do like listening, uh, reading your comments in this fight. Uh, with this fight, uh, with this win, Premier Boxing Champion owns all the World Heavyweight Championships. Exactly. That's another, that's another great, another thing. PBC is the undisputed heavyweight promotion of the world because Ruiz is a PBC fighter. He now owns three of the titles. Wilder now owns the fourth title, and he's with PBC. And oh my God, I got to wonder... Does anybody have any idea what Deontay Wilder must be feeling right now? Like, I, on one hand, a fight against Andrew Ruiz is infinitely times easier to do um, when he's, you know, be, when you're both on the same brand. Uh, it's infinitely times easier to negotiate with Andrew Ruiz than with Eddie Hearn, as the last couple of years have shown. So this is this is really interesting, but the problem is, Wilder Ruiz ain't happening anytime soon because Wilder's already committed to Luis Ortiz and then said contracts are signed for the Tyson Fury rematch, but um, Anthony Joshua is going to get a rematch against Anthony Ruiz Jr. There is a rematch clause. So Eddie Hearn wants to make that fight in the UK. Eddie Hearn has to make the rematch. Like, there's no two ways about it. The zone is paying Eddie Hearn a billion dollars for the next eight years to uh, for this U.S. expansion. And my God, I don't think, you know, I, this, I don't think this could have been a worse night for Eddie Hearn for his cash cow for his top man to go down in flames like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a flash knockdown. It wasn't that he got hurt or something or something wonky. He got beat. Anthony Joshua got beat up throughout this entire fight, or at least from the third round on, onwards after Joshua dropped. Andy Ruiz starting off. So this was real, real crazy. Uh, you know, more and more comments on here. And by the way, I appreciate all you guys chiming in with the comments. Really do appreciate it. I love talking to you guys. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph also said, I'm a casual watcher. My mistake. Forgot it was on big time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking about the historical comments on the Andy Ruiz being on PBC on FS1 and actually being on Fox. Um, someone asked, do you think the travel messed up Joshua? Oof. You know, it I don't know. No, I, I don't think the I don't think the travel itself messed up Anthony Joshua because not like he was travel he traveled to New York from the UK to New York like the week of the fight. He spent a full month in Miami. So I don't think the travel really affected him that much. But you gotta wonder. That about Anthony Joshua and the preparation for this fight. I don't know what the game plan was supposed to be in this fight. There were moments in the fight because I thought the easiest way to beat Andy Ruiz, and not specifically Andy Ruiz himself, but a guy with such a distinct size disadvantage against Anthony Joshua, would be simply step back, use the jab, like, you know, just you have a, a master class of jabbing away Andy Ruiz. Because you're much longer, you're much taller. If you keep stepping back and you use the jab and just keep outboxing him, you're going to have an easy night on the scorecards. You don't need to do anything too extravagant. And it's not, I'm not saying that like it's easy being Andy Ruiz. I'm just saying when you're a guy who's that much taller, that much longer than Andy Ruiz Jr., the game plan kind of already sets itself up, don't you think? You know, if obviously if you're going to compare the reach of both guys, Joshua's eight inches longer, and all he needed to do was just jab away because if he just jabbed at, at Ruiz and he lands those punches upstairs, then Ruiz can't, can't get closer. But mistake by Joshua, after he dropped Andy Ruiz in the, thir- in the third round, Ruiz got back up. Joshua got a little bit antsy. He was kind of starting to, he was looking a little desperate. Then he, you know, he decided to take the fight up close. And that's when Ruiz, you know, started firing up those quick counter shots, uh, counter hooks. And that's what killed Joshua. It's the fact that he decided to sort of take the fight 
up close, which was clearly going to be in Andy Ruiz's favor because Andy Ruiz is deceptively quick, very, very fast. One thing that not a lot of people do recognize is the is just how fast Andy Ruiz is. You know, with his hand speed is top 10 in the world, maybe top five in the world, if we're being completely honest with you. I don't think Anthony Joshua fully recognized that. He thought, okay, I dropped him. I got him down. Now let's go home. Now I want to try to see if I can end this quickly. No. Andy Ruiz had the perfect reaction to... Anthony jo- uh, to knocking down Anthony Joshua. He wasn't desperate. He wasn't, you know, looking for the knockout. Wasn't wild- quickly attacking like a savage. He took his time. He looked for an opening. He got on the inside and started attacking Anthony Joshua, where he struggled up close. And in the fourth round, in the fifth round, Anthony Ruiz wasn't, you know, trying to throw wild haymakers. Wasn't throwing the left hand, the left hook upstairs. Wasn't trying to force the knockout. You hear fighters say all the time in the media, when they get asked for predictions, a lot of them will say, I'm not going to look for a knockout. I will not force the knockout. I will, if an opportunity comes, then I will take advantage. But other than that, I will not force a knockout. And that's really what Andrew Ruiz did. He didn't force anything. He took his time. He waited his opportunity to get up close and personal. He attacked Anthony Joshua upstairs with the hooks, and he dropped him. And we've seen, and and it's not like Joshua has a totally granted chin. He's been dropped before. He's been dropped by a, an old, well past his prime, Vladimir Klitschko, who, at the time of his fight against Klitschko back in 2017, I still thought Klitschko was top three heavyweight, but he was nowhere near the type of heavyweight that he was in his prime. Nowhere near. And he still, and Anthony Joshua was still dropped by Vladimir Klitschko. So it was always. It wasn't, you know, when it comes to Joshua up against strong power punchers, in a way, it was almost always, it was, in a way, it was always not a question of if Joshua is going to get knocked down. It's more like when. That's why when, whenever I talked about it, but a hypothetical Joshua versus Wilder fight, I thought, you know, I still wouldn't know. I might have picked Joshua to win on the scorecards. But every time, but every time I played this hypothetical what if scenario, I say Wilder's gonna drop him at some point in the fight because Joshua doesn't have the best chin in the world, and we saw that tonight against Andy Ruiz. Four knockdowns, four knockdowns, two in the third, two in the seventh, and this was uh, this was so crazy. This is the modern day Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson at the Tokyo Dome uh, type of fight. This will be something that we'll remember for decades down the line. Kind of looking now at the uh, at the comments here. Uh, what about Ruiz versus Parker rematch coming off two losses? Well, well, first of all, Parker actually fought uh, last December against Alexander Flores, and he beat him. It was a very controversial fight. Uh, it was very. It's a very very weird fight. I, but Parker was just announced as the new signing for Matchroom Boxing. So Ruiz versus Parker, not have uh, this rematch. It's not going to happen for a while, at least not until after uh, Andy Ruiz uh, fights Anthony Joshua again and beats him. Because it's still, you know, a rematch. I don't know what's going to happen, but I actually would favor Anthony Ruiz because we don't know what a mentally compromised Anthony Joshua is going to look like. That's the, that was also another weird thing is the way Anthony Joshua reacted after the fight. He was all smiles. He wasn't, he was not hanging his head. He don't, it's not like he was, you know, he was quiet and didn't want to talk to the media. He was almost acting as if he won the fight. And listen, and I'll give credit. And listen, Joshua acted like a complete gentleman, nothing but class. But can I make the argument that maybe Joshua acted with a little too much class? Because I'm just now, you know, I'm rewinding. This whole scenario back, back in the back of my head. And like Joshua was acting like nothing was wrong. And I don't, think it, I don't think it had set in. I don't think Joshua realized what just happened. I think Joshua is still kind of, you know, a little foggy. And you can tell from that th- fourth, fifth, sixth round, Joshua was still not fully there. He was not, 
he still was he still wasn't recovering well from those two knockdowns he suffered in the third round. So it was very 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 bizarre. I don't think I can remember a, a champion losing in the manner like this against an opponent he was so heavily favored against and act that way. I can't remember a time ever happening. So uh, it's very, very, very bizarre. Someone else in the comments said, could Deontay Wilder be able to go down a division since he said, uh, since he was uh, 209 in the Fury fight? That's weird. He, he said um, in an interview a while back, a couple, maybe it was last year or two years ago, that he would be willing to go down to Cruiserweight, but I don't see it. There's no money for Deontay Wilder, the Cruiserweight. There's no money for, for American Cruiserweights. And that's always been... The, that's always been the thing. That's why you always see like modern, like and like 20, 30 years ago, when you saw guys like Roy Jones, you know, he went from light heavyweight all the way to heavyweight. He skipped past cruiserweight because there's no money to be made as a cruiserweight. Like theoretically, yes, I, I think Deontay Wilder could go to cruiserweight, but cruiserweight is a European division. And, you know, there's not, you know, un, and Alexander Usyk is going up there to do heavyweight. Muragasiev is going from cruiserweight to heavyweight, so there's no real super big fights to be made at, at that weight class. Dennis Lebedev, he's gonna he's gonna be retiring soon, so that's not there's no that wouldn't make financial or business sense for Wilder to go from heavyweight to cruiserweight. Let's see, uh, lots of Andrew Huntley says I don't know if this is as big of an upset as Tyson Douglas, but I might have overtaken uh, Rayman versus Lewis. As the biggest heavyweight upset since that time, Oof. that's a, that's the that's one I didn't even even consider. It's we are still like fog, like kind of like in that heat of the moment, like everything's all hazy, all foggy, kind of like the Anthony Joshua was acting uh, throughout this fight. And man, I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe I, it is a prisoner of the moment type of situation, but. I, I'm not sure if this is on the same level as Tyson Douglas, but you cannot deny that this is this generation's Tyson Douglas. Like, this will be the type of fight that will be remembered decades down the line. And for a lot of British fans, they're kind of going to look at this fight in a somewhat similar fashion to how a lot of us Americans view Mike Tyson losing to Buster Douglas. But But Andrew, you do have a really good point. I don't know if this is as big an upset. I think betting odds-wise, I don't think this is a big... I need to check the odds. I need to check the odds. I'm almost certain that the odds of Ruiz beating Joshua were were closer than Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. So you may be right. At least on the betting lines uh, side, it may be... It may be... You know, I, I do think... I think Buster Douglas might have had the bigger upset. At least... From a historical sense and from a betting sense. So, yeah, you, you, I, I'd say yeah. Let's see. Uh, lots of other comments. Uh, why did Canelo vacate the middleweight title after the Miguel Cotto? Why couldn't he fight Triple G when he was interim? Um, number of reasons. I mean, there's, I, I guess the, the demand for the fight against Triple G wasn't as big back then, um, if I were to make a guess. And I think if they had, you know, done that fight immediately, I don't think he would have. I don't think that fight would have been done. So, yeah, there's a lot of... I, I think it wasn't the right time. I think 2017 was the perfect time with all the proper build-up, especially start using the Canelo versus Julio Cesar Chavez fight as your build-up at the start of the proper build-up for Canelo versus Golovkin. So, yeah, I, I think 2017, it was. I think it was just wasn't the right time. So, boy, this... I'm still, I'm still shocked, by the way. I, I know I just spent the last 20... 223 minutes talking and saying that you know and talking about this whole fight but when i tell you i am mentally speechless i i really am i don't know what to i'm still like i could wait i'm gonna i could go to bed and and i will tell you that i will have no idea if tonight was real or not for a number of reasons not just from the anthony joshua losing to injuries which I think will go down as one of the greatest heavyweight upsets in recent memory. And it will certainly, it will certainly have consequences in the heavyweight division for a long, long time. By the way, anybody wonder what Eddie Hearn must be feeling right now? Like, does anybody, 
Like, you get, can you imagine, like, the, even in the interviews, like, he did all his interviews, um, you know, he didn't shy away, he wasn't, it wasn't acting foul or anything like that towards any interviewers, but in the back of the, uh, of his mind, do you gotta, you gotta imagine that Eddie Hearn is not thrilled in the least bit, he's nowhere near, like, it's, like, his entire Life, his career is crumbling down because when this whole expansion, so when this entire Dazoma Matchroom project started last year, the idea of a Joshua Wilder fight on the zone was one that was explored, and I don't want to say it was promised, but you get, but that was certainly a fight that the zone wanted. Like, that may have been like the biggest fight. That the zone wanted. That's over. If Joshua, even if he, even if Joshua beats Ruiz, even if Joshua goes to Deontay Wilder and says, "I have, th- I have my three belts. You only have one." The dynamics of this whole negotiation table completely change, and now it's no longer when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. I don't think it will ever happen. I don't think Joshua Wilder is ever going to happen now. Because now you're also going to have to... Joshua is now going to have to deal with Andy Ruiz. And Ruiz could beat him. I mean, listen, he could beat him. Joshua could still win. But let's imagine for a quick second, if Joshua beats Ruiz, then you can't really go to Deontay Wilder and demand and, and be the guy demanding everything in negotiations. No, you're not doing that. You lost your title fight. Deontay Wilder may have lost in the eyes of the public when he fought Tyson Fury last year, but at least Deontay Wilder still kept his title because the fight ended in a draw, and at least Deontay Wilder is saying, listen, I want to take all my controversial fights. I want to line up one at a time. I want to fight them, and no matter what, I'm fighting Luis Ortiz next. I'm going to fight Tyson Fury next. So, man, I wonder... Yeah, I, I go back to my question, to my earlier question. What does Wilder thinks about this whole thing? Because yeah, he now has an Easter time to uh, to negotiate a fight for the undisputed titles. If Ruiz beats Joshua in a rematch, which I don't doubt will happen uh, later this year in the UK, that's just you know, there's no way that fight that rematch is not going to happen. That this you know, it's not just Joshua doesn't have his titles anymore. The Zone doesn't have one of its biggest stars to market in the U.S. They no longer have that. Andrew Ruiz isn't like a free agent that can just go fight willy-nilly. No, he's with PBC. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just still... This is still shocking to me. I mean, does anybody else, you know... I'm reading the comments here. Um, Doesn't Joshua have four belts? Not if you count the IBO belt, which no one should count because the IBO belt is not recognized as a major title. But promoters, marketing people, they're going to say he has four titles because the IBO counts. When in the eyes of the people, no, it shouldn't count. It shouldn't count. He had the WBA, the IBF, and the WBO. And yes, he had the IBO, but it shouldn't. But that shouldn't count as a major title. It, it was a minor title, and that's not. And the IBO is only going to be a footnote in his career when it's all said and done, even after tonight. Let's see. Uh, ring down the comments. Uh, I think jo- Joshua Wilder at this rate may go down alongside Reddick Bow versus uh, uh, Lewis as a what could have been. Yeah. Yeah. That's – I agree. I agree. That's the one thing. This, this is also a wake-up call for everyone who keeps saying – we're gonna marinate. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna let things simmer. We're gonna let the, we're gonna have fights and keep building up. No, like when the public demands a fight, you cannot say we're gonna build up to it. You know, in a year or two, it's gonna be bigger than bigger than ever before. But the problem in boxing is guarantees don't exist. They, they just don't. You can't make a promise and expect it to. Uh, to happen just because you say it will because that's not that doesn't always happen like you know this is the risk 
that Joshua and Wilder took when they constantly get close to negotiations and things fall apart. That's the risk they took. So, you know, boxing lost Joshua versus Wilder, but it's not because the demand wasn't there, because the demand has been there for two, three years now. They just thought that they, they, they risked it, and it turns out it didn't work out. So, Really, you know, again, I, that that's a really good uh, that's that's a really good um, take. This being uh, Reddick versus Lewis as a what could have been. So, I don't know. You know, uh, on one hand, I feel I'm I'm ba- I feel really bad that we're not probably never gonna get that fight, Joshua Wilder, Wilder. But you know, that is the risk we took. Hell, even in PBC, even PBC's plans at big fights backfired. Like a the last seven months, the junior middleweight division was turned completely upside down because PBC wanted to get a three-belt unification between Jermell Charlo and Jared Hurd. And what happened? Instead of making that fight, boom, immediately, or at least wait until Jared Hurd um, rested a little bit after that return fight against Jason Wellborn, they went, you know, Jared Hurd fight Julian Williams. What happened? Julian Williams beats uh, Jared Hurd. Jermell Charlo Fought Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison beats Jermell Charlo. And it completely destroyed any hopes of getting that Charlo-Jared Hurd fight being made for three of the four world titles at 154 pounds. That's the problem with boxing. People look towards the future and think more, mo- more time waiting means more money when really your risk of losing all that money well, just goes down the drain. That, and that is the risk. That is the risk promoters and fighters take when they don't take the big fights immediately. Sure, you may be sacrificing a few dollars by having the fight right now, but at least you're getting money and making those fights happen instead of running the risk of not getting any money at all for those big fights. So there's this is the risk they took. So I, you know, sorry, boxing, you're not going to get your Joshua Wilder fight, but this is what happens when, when, when they decide to let things build up. Sometimes when you try to build things up, they just crumble down and there's nothing you can do about it except pick up the pieces and try to think of something else to build up. Going there, reading down the comments. Wow, there's a lot of comments out here. Thanks so much, everybody, for for commenting. I know, wondering what uh, are my audio levels uh good because we are doing a completely different setup uh with the podcast and everything because uh had in some a couple of technical issues let's see a lot of uh ideas uh what is the ring belt uh ring belt is the ring magazine belt it is a very very old title that's kind of been that's been going through a couple of iterations it's uh very hard for me to explain the whole say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Lineage of the Ring Magazine title, but essentially, you know, like it is a title that is not under the 
confines of a major of a sanctioning body or an organization. It is, you know, in theory, supposed to be, you know, the purest of the of the world titles out there. But its legitimacy has been put into question uh, in some years. And speaking of the ring belt, it was funny. The ring, the ring magazine kept saying we will not give Joshua or Wilder the ring heavyweight belt until they fight each other. Now I'm curious what the ring magazine has to do have to say now. Now does that mean that if Wild and Fury have their rematch, does that become the new title, uh, the new fight to make for the ring magazine belt? That's, that's really interesting. Um, I don't work for Ring Magazine. I don't write for them, but I do know some people that do. So I'm curious to see what their thoughts are going to be in regards to Wilder Fury being for the Ring Magazine heavyweight title. Let's see. Uh, isn't Wilder with Showtime? Yes, sort of, sort. Of. It's weird. So I mean, Wilder fights for PBC, fights on PBC, and PBC has broadcast deals with Fox and Showtime. And Wilder's fights, uh, Wilder's most of Wilder's fights were on Showtime, but it's it's very weird, very fluent. We don't even know what the um, what the status is going to be for. For Wilder's fight against Luis Ortiz, is it going to be on regular Showtime? Is it going to be on Showtime pay-per-view? Is it going to be on Fox? Is it going to be on Fox pay-per-view? We don't know yet, so there's still a lot to... There's still kind of a lot for, um, you know, to sort of uh, wait before we sort of get the full detail. But yes, Wilder is with Showtime because he fights on the network a lot, and he's by far Showtime's biggest draw. Like, that's without a question. The fight against Luis Ortiz... And the fight against Dominic Brazil gave Showtime its highest uh, ratings and viewership in the last few years. That's that's what it goes without a doubt. Looking at here, uh, Rich Styles said, Deontay Wilder tweeted, he wasn't the true champion. His whole career was consisted of lies, contradictions, with, and gifts, facts. And now we know who was running from who. Hashtag till this day. Oh, man. Oh man, man! Leave it to Deontay Wilder to uh, to to give us a to give a hot, spicy take, and end it with until this day. Let's see. Andrew Huntley said, "Should be noted, we could get PBC unification fights down the road." If you're referring to Joshua uh, to Wilder Ruiz, yes, that is entirely at play. If Wilder beats Luis Ortiz and beats Tyson Fury. If he beats those two fights, uh, those two guys, and Andy Ruiz beats Anthony Joshua, then you will. Then you can see Deontay Wilder versus Andy Ruiz take place summer 2020, fall 2020. And by the way, that's going to be a pay-per-view fight. That's going to be a pay-per-view fight. They will try every Fox and PBC and Showtime. They will do Everything under their power to make sure that becomes the next mega fight. They will do everything. Um, and by, it's weird because now you're kind of now thinking way ahead as to a potential Wilder versus Ruiz fight. And you can't really say that and you can't really think like that because we literally just spent the last 10 minutes talking about how thinking ahead is could be a huge risk. So right now, the... Right now, the the fights are as follows in the heavyweight division. You got Tyson Fury fighting Tom Schwartz on June fifteenth. You got Deontay Wilder fighting Luis Ortiz later this year. Date, venue, broadcast details, all unspecified, all left to be revealed the, uh, in the near future. Joshua versus Ruiz, or I, I, I will give Ruiz as probably Ruiz versus Joshua too. Later this year in the UK, most likely. There's no way Joshua and Eddie Hearn are not going to enact that rematch class. They will go for the rematch immediately. I don't know if it's going to be like something in August or September. I see that happening maybe in October or November. Probably on the zone. I don't think PBC... I don't know if PBC will, will look to see if they can make that fight possible. Uh, uh, on their own network, I don't know. That's a that's really interesting. If PBC can try to get the 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 way the rights to that fight, because now Ruiz is the one with the heavyweight titles. Let's see. 
Lots of lots of comments here. Um, again, thanks so much, guys, for all the comments and all your feedback. Uh, thank, thank you, Andrew Huntley, for letting me know that the audio and visuals are good. Really appreciate it. I kind of that kind of takes a load off my shoulders. Really appreciate it. Let's see. Why didn't Fury versus Joshua both defeated up? Uh, Joshua never beat Fury. Uh, if you're referring to why. Oh, okay, okay. Now, now we see what you. Why didn't Fury and Joshua fight each other? After all, both beat Klitschko. Um, under the simple premise that Tyson Fury, well, one, Tyson Fury when he beat Vladimir Klitschko, he has his he had his wild, wild episodes with drug addiction, uh, suicide, and mental illness. And you know, obviously, there was no way. Fury could even should even have been fighting in those two years where he was dealing with all the personal demons. And again, I do want to congratulate Tyson Fury on overcoming those demons and achieving the level of success he's had since beating Vladimir Klitschko. But you know, Fury is promoted by Frank Warren, and I guess all and also promoted by Bob Barum in the U.S. and Joshua promoted by Eddie Hearn. And for those of you who don't know, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn, the two biggest promoters in the UK, they don't exactly see each other eye to eye. So if you kind of thought the, you know, PBC top rank rivalry was, was, was thick, you, you know, Eddie Hearn, Frank Warren is even more crazy. They don't, they, they, they almost never work with each other. Like it's much less frequent seeing a Frank Warren, Eddie Hearn type of fight than a PBC top rank type of fight. So, Let's see. When's the last time the titles were separated, and how could they be separated again? If you're referring to, and, and I don't want to misinterpret, you know, misinterpret your question, Mister El Jefe, but are you are you referring to when was the last time like the unified titles that Andrew Ruiz has, IBF, WBA, WBO titles are have been like owned by separate people? Um, what was the last thing that happened? It was when Fury beat Klitschko. And off the top of my head, if I remember correctly how the story goes, Fury had a mandatory, an IBF mandatory. And Fury didn't want to take that mandatory. So, so the IBF stripped him. And the IBF is extremely strict when it comes to champions fighting the mandatories. So, and then with the WBA and WBO titles... For 2016, I believe he would he either surrendered those titles or was stripped outright of those titles. It was very weird. Uh, it was all because he failed drug tests, was not mentally fit to compete. He, as I mentioned, he had a lot of personal demons to overcome, and he was you know he was not fit to fight for years and years. He was not fit to fight, and he had to work his way back up. So that was the last time kind of those titles were separate. And for the IBF, Charles Martin won the title. The WBA that remained vacant because they wanted to. They they waited a long ass time for for to for Fury versus Klitschko too, and it never happened. So they just so the WBA title just remained vacant until Joshua beat Klitschko in 2017, and the WBO title Joseph Parker beat Andrew Ruiz in 2016 to win that title. So. Hopefully that's uh, that answers your question. Andrew Reese should get paid big time for going to UK for a rematch and would deserve a trilogy in Las Vegas if Joshua wins in the UK. Yeah, to the first point, yes, Andrew Reese should get paid a lot of money. He is the A side now. Joshua may be the bigger star, but now you're asking Andrew Reese to defend his three world titles and go to the UK and possibly fight on their network, he should be getting paid handsomely. Like, anything below eight figures, in my opinion, should be a travesty and a disservice to Andrew Ruiz for pulling off one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. And let's remember, let's not forget, Andrew Ruiz was very close to beating Anthony Joshua, um, Joseph Parker in 2016 to win the WBO title. And some may argue that Andrew Ruiz should have... Uh, did beat Joseph Parker to win the WBO title. So it's not like Ruiz was a bad heavyweight or or not a, or like a novice or a journeyman. The guy was always a top 15, top 10 heavyweight. He lost a very close fight and um, for the WBO title in 2016. Spent well over a year away from the sport. Came back. It was fighting on undercards. Then lucked out by going on PBC. 
um, and fighting on April 20 and say, after he beat Dimitrenko, I want Deontay Wilder and I want Anthony Joshua. And when Jarrell Miller, who was Joshua's original opponent, and when he failed those drug tests and they were scrambling for, for different opponents, Ruiz, you know, the stars aligned and he got the shot to fight Anthony Joshua. And I honestly thought it was going to be either Michael Hunter or it was going to be I'm trying to think. I don't know. It might have trying to. I, I often thought we had it. You know, I know there were a number of guys that were under consideration. Guys from Mano Char, Trevor Bryan. I, I know they Don King wanted to get Trevor Bryan in the mix to fight Anthony Joshua. Uh, Manor Char said he wanted a crack at it. Uh, Adam Kanaki was was actually under early consideration, but Kanaki said, "No, nah, I'm promised. I'm quote unquote promised a shot at a title down the ro- uh, down the road, and you know, so I'm not gonna fight Joshua now. We got our own plans. So there were a lot of heavyweights that were under consideration. It just didn't work out, and Ruiz swooped in, and he, you know." He got the golden ticket. He went inside Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, and he made out with the with the entire factory and kicked out Anthony Joshua out of the building. Boy, what a great night was! What a great night for Andy Ruiz. What a great night for boxing. This is going to be mentioned. Uh, this is going to be talked about for a very, very long time. And now you're. It's now. I don't know if you can. This is a weird era. The the era of the Joshua Wilder Fury triumvirate for the moment could be over if Ruiz beats Joshua again. Because now it's Deontay Wilder, the biggest star in in the heavyweight division. You kind of have to look at it that way now. So so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. Andrew Huntley in the comment section says, I wonder how Michael Hunter, Adam Kanaki would have fared in Ruiz's place. I don't. I don't think they would have fared as well as Ruiz did. Michael Hunter is really, really good, but I think he's still learning. He's still growing into the division. Let's not. Rem- let's not forget. He's only been a heavyweight for a couple of years now. And he hasn't been facing elite competition. The competition he's faced is decent, but not spectacular. And I do think he is a guy that should be that that should have been under heavy consideration. And he was under consideration. And I think it would have been a decently entertaining fight. But I don't think. I, I don't think there would have been I don't think Hunter would have been Joshua. I certainly think Kanaki wouldn't have fared as well because I don't think Kanaki has Ruiz's speed and innate ability to sort of attack Joshua on the inside. And I don't think Kanaki had the stamina to go full twelve rounds against Anthony Joshua. This is another thing. I don't think Kanaki would have fared all too well. You look you remember that fight against Charles Martin, I think it was Charles Martin or Gerald Washington. I can't remember which of the two. But Kanaki was tired and at the end of the fight, and that was a ten rounder. And I you know, I don't think he would have fared too well against Anthony Joshua for a full twelve. So the, I, I think Ruiz was the perfect type of opponent to really take advantage of What's now, I think, now, like the obvious for a lot of people, uh, Anthony Joshua's shortcomings. So, what else do we got here? Joe Wilder be feeling like this was a missed opportunity. Both Wilder, Al Heyman, Eddie Hearn, Anthony Joshua, The Zone, PBC, Fox, Showtime, all must be feeling, wow, we completely whiffed on Wilder Joshua. We completely missed out on that, but. As I mentioned, um, this was a this was a missed opportunity, and I don't think it's ever going to happen. And if there is a remote chance it does happen, it will no longer be as big as it was being built up to be. the The value, the luster, it's diminished greatly in a Wilder Joshua fight. So, boy, I think we just about did enough to talk about on the Joshua Wilder and. Situation and Joshua versus Ruiz. Let's not forget this was uh, this wasn't the only fight in boxing. There was a full car main card of title fights. So let's quickly go down because someone did uh, Rich Styles in the comments. Said, Thoughts on Callum Smith unification with Canelo uh, since he became the WBA uh, champion by beating Rocky Fielding. All right, 
Before we get to that question, let's break down what happened to the rest of the card. So Calum Smith, the WBA super middleweight champion, he beats Hassan and Dom, TKO in the third round. So what happened, the story of the fight was essentially Calum Smith beats an overmatch, undersized, uh, totally undeserving Hassan and Dom. And the first round, he, uh, Smith lands a check left hook, drops Hassan and Dom. And Dom was slow to get up, survives the round. Round two, almost exactly the same way. Calum Smith lands a hook, drops Hassan and Dom, slow to get up, get, survives the round. Then round three, instead of a hook, he lands a straight right hand, like right here. Like, it's not exactly on the chin, or like, it was kind of like under the ear, right around here. Uh, you know, under the ear, and Hassan and Dom went down, and it was a violent knockdown. Like, Hassan and Dom went, you know, was going down, and his hand bounced off the canvas, and it was like, 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 dunk, and it was very, very, very scary to see. He got back up, but the referee smartly says, no, you're not fighting anymore. You're not fighting anymore. That's, that was, when, when you're in the situation of your head bouncing off the canvas, no, no, you, you shouldn't fight. You, I don't think you should fight anymore when that happens, because now you're dealing with a concussion, and it's not smart to fight when you're concussed, or you're very close to having a concussion. So this was his first title defense. We all knew Kalsen was going to knock Hassan and Dom out inside of five. I said inside of five rounds. He did it in three. And, you know, this fight didn't tell me anything about Callum Smith that we already know. He's faced much better opposition his last fight when he beat George Gross in, in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know what is it with. I don't know what was the point of making this fight happen. It was, a, I guess, a stay busy fight before in a way, kind of an audition as Chris Mannix uh, after the fight was when he was interviewing Callum Smith. He was saying, you know, do you see that it was this kind of like a audition for a potential fight against Canelo Alvarez? Because the story is Callum Smith has what's considered the super title, which is the top world title that the WBA has. And Canelo Alvarez, he may be the unified WBA, IBF, and WBC champion at 160 pounds, but he's also the WBA regular champion, as in the secondary champion, the not as good as the super champion champion. And, you know, Canelo and Cal Smith both fight on the zone, and Cal Smith was the name being thrown out by Oscar De Hoya after Canelo Alvarez beat uh, Daniel Jacobs on May 4th. So, obviously, the zone wants to make Canelo versus Triple G3, I don't think, I think that's abundantly clear for September 14. But if for whatever reason that fight doesn't happen, Cal Smith is a very, very big possibility because there are no real big middleweights out there for Canelo to beat that would warrant a, they would constitute it being like a mega fight or a super big fight because Demetrius Andrade has his title fight at the end of the month, and I don't know if that's enough time for him to recover to prepare for Canelo Alvarez down the road. So this was so Count Smith versus Canelo Alvarez. I like that. I really hope that fight does happen. I really do. And I do think that we are that this would be a much better fight for Canelo at 168 than the one he had last December against Rocky Fielding because he just completely obliterated Rocky Fielding. Even I was surprised because I thought Rocky Fielding was going to do a much better job Fighting Canelo and Rocky Villain, the worst game plan possible, where he had the size advantage and didn't decide to take advantage of it at all and decided to try to trade with Canelo, one of the best body punchers in boxing, and try to fight him on the inside. There was no way Rocky Villain was going to win that fight. That was a losing. You were going to lose that 100 out of 100 times. So let's see. Uh, Hassan and Dom was a knack for getting up from knockdowns. He has no business. Uh, rising from still good stoppage and, and Dom had nothing for Smith would like to see Smith versus Canelo or Caleb Plant or David Benavides next to yeah oh that's a yeah I would love to see Callum Smith go up against any of the other super middleweight champions the problem is um, the rest of the division's champions are either with PBC or with Frank Ward so that's going to make negotiations a lot tougher and you have better fights you can make in house and when I mean in-house, I do mean I include Canelo because he also fights in the zone. You'll, you know, Cal Smith, he could fight John Ryder because John Ryder won the interim title back in back on May 4th, but 
For some reason, he was stripped or is no longer listed as champion, but John Ryder's a matchroom guy, and you can totally make that fight possible. That's a, that's a main event fight in the UK, Callum Smith versus John Ryder, and I wouldn't be too upset at seeing that if Callum Smith doesn't get a unification fight or a fight against Kenel Alvarez next. That's a much better fight than against Hassan and Dom. So... It's uh, it's very weird. It's um, I don't know. I I, I love to see Callum Smith. I get Canelo Alvarez. I think that's a really really good fight. And it's a great. And if Canelo beats Callum Smith, then his legacy I think goes up tremendously because Callum Smith is arguably the best 168 pounder in the world, in my opinion. If we're not including Canelo Alvarez, because he only had the one fight that was 60 and it was against an overmatch, Rocky Fielding. Somebody asked, what about the Katie Taylor robbery? Yep, that is the that is the other world title fight that happened on this card. The opening fight of this card, Katie Taylor versus Delphine Pursuit for the undisputed WBA, WBO, IBF, WBC, Ring Magazine, female lightweight world titles. So this was a very awkward fight. It was unlike any other Katie Taylor fight that we have seen previously throughout her career. So Katie Taylor starts off well, starts outboxing uh, Delphine Pursuit, who... From the very beginning, you could tell what her game plan was going to be, and it was to make Katie Taylor as uncomfortable as possible, bring the fight to the inside, and just keep attacking um, Katie Taylor without remorse, uh, make this like a street fight. It wasn't a boxing match. It was more of a street fight. And force Katie Taylor to have to attack. And there were a lot of moments where I thought Delphine Pursuit was doing very well against Katie Taylor. But as the fight went on, for some reason, Katie Taylor, he, she didn't land as much as Delphine Pursuit. But Pursuit's face was the one getting much more badly hurt than Katie Taylor. Like, you look at, like, the difference, like, the headshot between both women after the fight. You, and, and you were to, and if you were asked which of the two won just based on how their faces looked, you would say Katie Taylor won. Because Delphine Pursuit's face was, like, bloated and was cut. She, like, her left eye was almost swollen and completely shut. Like, it was, like, it was a really bad shiner. And I can see from the visual standpoint, she's making an argument that Katie Taylor won. I was, I had Pursuit winning 97-93 on my own scorecards. And I thought Pursuit won. I think this is, like, borderline robbery. Because I don't think, you can make a case for 96-94, and in the most pro-Katie Taylor way possible, scored in 95-95. I don't, but I just didn't see Katie Taylor winning. And Delphine Pursuit, she thought she won. I think she deserved to I At the very least, I thought she deserved to win the fight more than Katie Taylor. And, you know, and I, you just got to feel gutted for her. There has to be a rematch next. Like, that, that is a fight that was very entertaining. Very, you know, very cagey, very street fighter-ish, but it was but there was still a lot of entertainment value. And I don't think that this fight should I don't think there there should be a one and done. I think there should be a rematch between the two of them. And I do think that there should be a I, I do think the the four governing bodies should tell Katie Taylor to do a rematch down the line because Delphine Pursuit deserved better than what she got at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, that's kind of the boy. We 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 went a long while talking about these fights of almost an hour. So anybody else has any other questions for me that want to want me to discuss any other topics? Bring down the comments. Sergio Martinez says one thing I noticed: the referee had Anthony Joshua's mouthpiece in his ass when he waved it off. Should he should have he should he have put it back in Joshua's mouth or give it to his corner? Your quick stoppage, in my opinion. No, well, okay. Let's answer the first part of your question. So, when he was dropped down, I saw, and I met, maybe I was caught up in the moment, but I thought I saw Anthony Joshua spit out the mouthpiece and when he was dropped down the fourth time. First of all, that was clearly, if he did throw, spit the mouthpiece out, that was clearly a way to buy time and to try to keep fighting. And at the very least, I wouldn't have no problem with Anthony Joshua getting docked the point, which by then, Joshua would have then needed a knockout immediately to, or at least throughout the fight, to win the fight, because I don't think he was going to win on the scorecards in that manner. So, 
should he have putting it in his mouth? I think by that point, the referee understood based on Anthony Joshua's body language and the way he was getting hurt, the way he wasn't responding well in the rounds after the first two knockdowns. I don't think, I think the referee made the smart call. I think it should have been a stoppage. I think the stoppage was right. You know, he, Anthony Joshua had plenty of chances to say, uh, to show, not say that he can keep fighting, show that he can keep fighting. Because there were moments because Josh, where Joshua was not doing anything. He was eating those left hands from Andy Ruiz. I had no problem with the stoppage whatsoever. I, had, I, I predicted Joshua was going to win by knockout, but turns out, you know, egg, uh, joke's on me. Andy Ruiz was the one who, stopped, who won the fight by stoppage. But no, I had no problem with the stoppage. I thought the stoppage was right. Let's see. How to, uh, any chance for Brandt versus Charlo? If you're referring to Jamal Charlo, uh, that's, that's a little tough because Jamal Charlo is with PBC. Rob Brandt is with Top Rank. And they are clearly, they, Top Rank clearly has plans for Rob Brandt for the next couple of fights. They got Rob Brandt going up against Ryota Murata this, uh, later this year in Japan, which I'm really excited about. By the way, I do think this is going to be a much better fight than the first one. And, and Rob Brandt against Jeff Horn is a fight that could be explored for down the line. So Brandt versus Charlo, I don't see that happening anytime soon, if ever. Let's see. If Canelo beats Callum Smith, does he get the ring belt? But also, and does that mean he would have the most belts in boxing right now? When you say belts, I guess if you're counting all the titles, I think it. I think yes. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, I actually do believe um, Canelo Alvarez actually already has the most titles in boxing, at least on the male side. He has. Let's see. He has the WBA Super. WBC, IBF, and Ring Magazine middleweight titles, that's four. He has the WBA regular super middleweight title, that's five. So if he's Count Smith, he gets the super title. He gets, I guess, technically the WBC diamond title. I'm not counting that because that title has no meaning whatsoever. And he has the ring bell, so six. So he got six. Uh, at least on the men's side, Canelo Alvarez uh, has the most uh, titles already in boxing. And on the and he's tied in boxing overall because both Katie uh, Katie Taylor and Clarissa Shields have five titles with the WBA, IBF, WBO, WBC, and Ring Magazine undisputed titles. Uh, Katie Taylor one thirty five and Clarissa Shields at one sixty. So yeah, so we'll we'll see. As a quick note, I'm gonna catch stop the normally Iron Chin Devin Alexander on FS one tonight. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, uh, I didn't talk. A, about that at all, but yeah, Ivan Rickatch uh, against Devin Alexander, that was completely overshadowed, like, but I wonder what the viewership is going to be like, I, I would imagine not many, not a lot even on, on a night where there was no NBA uh, and no UFC at night because the UFC card was during the day so I don't, I can't, I don't know what's going to be the viewership for that one, so that's going to be interesting let's see the, looking at what is what is next for Ryan Garcia don't know, won't be a big fight next, or at least it won't be a title shot anytime soon. He's still in that developmental stage of his career. He, he'll say that he wants to face the big names. I don't think he's ready for the big names right now. I think Golden Boy is smart to keep giving him, uh, you know, B-level guys where he can keep improving. And let, him, and let Ryan Garcia simmer. Let, let Ryan Garcia train a, while, a lot longer under Chepo Reynoso, or, or under Eddie Reynoso. For uh, before he gets the big fight, because Ryan Garcia looked tremendous ever since he linked up with Eddie Reynoso. Like he looks like a like a fighter who's you know who's much older than what he is right now. I, I like Ryan Garcia right now, but I don't think he's ready for the big fights at this moment. So I think Golden Boy is gonna play it smart. They're gonna try to make sure he gets built up the right way, and when he does get the big fights, it becomes like a real big big event. Let's see. I would love Ortiz to upset Wilder and Ruiz and Ortiz to fight for all the glory. Boy, that would be something. That would be something. Andy Ruiz versus Luis Ortiz for the undisputed heavyweight world titles. Wouldn't that be something? Not gonna lie, I would pay all. I would pay, gladly pay seventy dollars for that fight. I would gladly pay that that much on pay per view. 
Nope, you will not get any questions. I want give me the big beefy sirloin boys. I want all the Haas in that fight. I would love to see Luis Ortiz versus Andy Ruiz for all the heavyweight titles. I would love to see that happen. I'm not. I'm not even being facetious. I would love to see that happen. Uh, one last quick uh, run at the comments, guys. I love all the feedback. I love all the questions, all the comments. All your thoughts, all your opinions. I loved it. I really, really do appreciate everything. Uh, I love you guys uh, again. Thank you so much for uh, being on the sh- for coming on the show, giving your feedback, your comments. A lot of your comments are very insightful. Uh, lots of really good questions. And for those of you who are tuning in here for the first time, Fightful.com, your premier source. For pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing, we give cover, equal cover to all of those three sports. Tons of exclusives, tons of news, coverage from all across the world. We got, you know, we got correspondents from the UK. We got correspondents all over the US. We got a correspondent from me in Puerto Rico. So, yeah, you got, you get, Fightful's got you covered with everything. So, you can head on over to Fightful.com where all the big news in pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing Carlos Toro you know, from Fightful.com signing out. Subscribe to our new Fightful MMA unboxing YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up to this video. Leave us the comments on iTunes and Stitcher and all, where, and all places where you can get your podcasts. Again, I, thank you so much, everyone. This has been Carlos Toro for the Anthony Joshua versus Andrew Ruiz post show. I will see you later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.